Welcome to Creating the Good with AARP Illinois, a show with inspiring people who we hope will inspire you. And now, your hosts, Bob Gallo and Rosanna Marquez. Hi, I'm Bob Gallo, State Director of AARP Illinois, and I'm here with my co-host, Rosanna Marquez, State President. We're excited to be back here with you. Welcome as we continue with the second season of our radio show, Creating the Good with AARP Illinois. We are talking with some fascinating folks who are making a big difference in their local communities. It's great to be with you here, Bob. Just wait until you hear from our special guests today. They have a fun and delightful story to tell that I guarantee will bring a smile to you, Bob, and to all of our listeners. Rosanna, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, today, we're speaking with co-authors Andrea Lowe and Valerie Liu, two friends who created a charming book called Chinatown Pretty, Fashion and Wisdom from Chinatown's Most Stylish Seniors. Bob, just that name alone makes me want to read the book. What Chinatown Pretty does is capture the street styles and fashion sense of some 100 residents of Chinatown neighborhoods in several cities across the United States and also in Canada. It's a collection of photographs and stories. One of the places they highlight in the book is Chicago's own thriving Chinatown neighborhood, which is one of the oldest in the country. It's the hub of the Chinese American community in the Midwest, and it's just a couple miles south of the Loop, anchoring the area around Cermak and Wentworth Avenues for nearly 110 years and counting. Andrea and Valerie? Thank you so much for being with us here today on Creating the Good with AARP Illinois. I want to mention to our listeners that if you want to follow along during the show and see some of the photos and descriptions that we're talking about, please go to ChinatownPretty.com or check it out on Instagram at ChinatownPretty. So tell us, you got started on the book several years ago in a most unusual way. What does dim sum have to do with getting you both going on this project that later became your book? Yeah, Angie and I met through the San Francisco food world. Um, I started a pop-up called Rice Paper Scissors, and um, Andrea was photographing a lot of the, the food scene at that time. And we became friends over 10 years ago and would go on dim sum dates in San Francisco Chinatown. And when we were there, we noticed there was a very distinct style. A lot of colors, patterns, layers of just patterns and colors and florals and wide hats, thick jackets. And so we wanted to know how did they compose these outfits? And more importantly, where did they get their shoes? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, also, uh, you also mentioned that you're fascinated with grandmothers and grandfathers and how they carried themselves around in the community. What was so fascinating about them? And tell us, uh, please, the words in Cantonese for grandmother and grandfather. Yeah, the words for um, grandmother, at least in Cantonese, are popo, and for grandfather, it's gong gong. So we, we might refer to them <laughs> throughout the podcast as, as popo and gong gong. Huh. But um, hanging out in San Francisco Chinatown, where we started the project, and people watching, you notice that seniors are really the heartbeat of the neighborhood. It's one of the densest pop, um, densest neighborhoods in the city. And 
is um, just filled with seniors that are very visible. They're out and about grocery shopping every morning, um, walking the hills, um, you know, lugging these huge sacks of rice uphill, taking the bus, using the parks and the plazas as an extended living room. So they're socializing and playing games and exercising. So they really play a big role in the neighborhood and are very noticeable. So we just became really curious about them. Um, we wanted to know, you know, aside from where they were getting and where the style that we were noticing was coming from, we wanted to know what, what are they up to today? Like what, um, you know, we wanted to know more about their daily lives. And in addition to that, we just wanted to, you know, see if we could, they could share some of their life wisdoms with us as well. So as part of um, the closed door interviews, we always ask, uh, what's a secret, you know, what are some of your secrets to happy life? And so what do your own grandparents think about this project? And, and have you photographed and written about them? Yeah, I feel really fortunate to have a few grandparents featured in this book. Uh, my maternal grandmother, Hua Wing, who's Vietnamese, um, is just like, I'm old. I'm like, that's the point, grandma. <laughs> She's a woman of very few words. She's like, I'm old. And she like slaps me and laughs, which is also a common response that we get in Chinatown. Um, and my step-grandmother, um, Anna Lee, lived in Burnaby, near Vancouver, in Canada. Um, and, you know, I don't really know. It was just, like, really great to celebrate her. And she, you know, passed away about two and a half years ago. And, you know, I was there kind of, like, for her, her last month or last few weeks. And I was able to be like, listen, Grandma, thousands of people like your photos, like you're so beautiful, you're so graceful, like, and I read some of the comments people left for her, and also my own feelings, you know, about her. And it was nice that Chinatown pretty, I was able to capture a beautiful image of her that I will remember her by, and, you know, thousands of people will remember her by. Rosanna, you were, you were right that this was going to be a great conversation, and I'm glad we're doing this together again. Um, but I want to um, ask our guests, um, you know, having a, a, a even if it's an iPhone pointed at you these days can be somewhat intimidating. I would think that, you know, a larger lens camera um, could, could, does feel the same way. And I've seen that happen. So how did, how did you approach the people on the street? Um, and what did you tell them? And how did they react to even you wanting to um, put, tell them that they were going to be put in a book? Well, a lot of our process, um, at least how we started the project at first was, really just scouting the streets, walking um, around for a few hours at a time. We like to we like to go out in the morning when we notice more seniors are out and about before it gets too hot um, and they're running their errands. But, you know, we just approach them. We work with a translator um, who speaks their dialect since neither of us are fluent. And so it's usually three of us. And we like to just start with a friendly hello and then ask about you know, an article of clothing that looks really interesting to us because that is something about a lot of the outfits and the commonality um, between the styles that we're looking for. So that so much of the clothing, they just look like they have a story. They're just kind of begging um, those questions to be asked about them. Like, where was this made? You know, how old is this? Um, things look really unique. So we like to start off with a question to kind of open up the conversation. And um, a lot of times we are, you know, met with no, people are busy, they're, they're on their way to appointments and such. So 
we find that we actually have about a 90% rejection rate, which is, you know, can be kind of heartbreaking at times when we, when we really want to engage with someone. But um, even just those 10% of the people who do say yes, we, we're just really thankful that they do stop and share their stories. Um, but actually, we found that in Chicago, our success rate was more like 75%. So uh, we found that we're um, a friendly people in Chicago to be, yes, absolutely friendly, um, very open, and and just curious about us as well. So Chicago and Vancouver, we found to have higher success rates. Um, and a lot of times, the seniors are a bit, you know, taken aback. They're kind of wondering why this trio of usually ladies is so interested in them. Um, but for the people who do say yes, I think they really do open up, um, you know, with Valerie, who's like so great at interviewing and, um, you know, we can win them over eventually. And we do offer to send them a print as a thank you. Um, we just want to make sure that um, they have the images as well. And we try to explain the project as best we can to them. Um, and that, you know, it really is just this art project that we've been working on for years because because we just, um, you know, out of the passion and, and the love for the project, um, that's that's really the reason why we do this. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm imagining you two walking around the streets of any particular city and they, and someone says, there's one. <laughs> I mean, is that how is that what it's like for you? You see someone who's um, really stands out that you want to um, approach them and take their picture? How do you, you know, who is it that stands out for you when you're when you're sleuthing the streets of a Chinatown? Yeah, when we're scouting, we kind of know it when we see it. Um, it's, we are really attracted to really bright colors, um, bold patterns, and um, there's usually an accessory that sticks out. Like yesterday I was in Portola, which is almost like another Chinatown SF, and someone wore a hat that said, who moi? <laughs> And I was just like, where is that from? Um, but yeah, we do a lot of cat calling as well. So a lot of compliments like po po holing, which means dang grandma, you look good. <laughs> and uh, mo holing, which means like cool hat. I know you, you look a lot for accessories, you know, on individuals because that's really stands out. What kind of accessories did you typically come across that just you know, screamed at you that this was a person who had something to say? Uh, well, we do see, we do see a lot of great hats in Chinatown. Um, the style is often really driven by function. So, you know, keeping warm, so lots of layers, but also wearing hats. You'll see lots of bucket hats, bonnets, wide brim hats. And in Chicago, uh, we especially noticed everyone had added a chin strap, you know, it being the windy city and all. That actually made a lot of sense when they explained that to us, that yeah, the hat's just gonna fly away if we don't if we don't do this. Um, that was a really sweet detail that we noticed. But yeah, we see a lot of great hats. Um, and in Chicago, actually, I think his um, the story is entitled maybe Angry Birds. But we met a fellow at the <laughs> library a couple of days in a row, and he just was always wearing these really playful, <laughs> funny um, baseball hats. I think the first day it was an Angry Birds hat, and the second day was maybe Batman. And he wore it with like a really straight bill, which kind of added a little bit of an edge to it. Um, but yeah, we'll see a lot of great hats and also socks. That's kind of the the secret accessory that we we uh, ask for. Oh yeah, uh -huh. there we have Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, um, so in a lot of ways, you know, you know, clothes tell a story about a person, right? De- depending on, you know, what they're wearing. Um, but ha- how did these clothes help you tell this, the, this, the clothes that any particular individual was wearing? How did it help you tell a story about them? A great example of that is Dorothy Kwok, who was in San Francisco. Um, she was born and raised in Chinatown and her dad delivered like hundred pound rice bags upstairs, wow. you know, in Chinatown. And so she had taken an heirloom of hers, this kind of cloth cotton rice bag and turned it into a dress for one of, um, she's a, a producer, a researcher, film like researcher and producer. And so, um, yeah, she wore it to one of the openings and made it, made sure to create a slit so that she could dance. Well, that's creative. Um, I'm I'm interested in the fact that these are everyday stories in so many ways that you're you know you're learning so much about someone's personal life. You know what you you know, why do you find that it's important to document these stories in the way that you have? And did you find common themes throughout these individuals' lives? It's really struck me with the, struck me with this project how many different kinds of people are interested in it and interested to learn about these seniors in Chinatown. And I think that speaks to maybe the kind of stories that um, don't get told as much. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot to learn from them. Um, And there's just, there's a lot of different interests that can draw you in. So if you're interested in just cities or getting to know your neighbors or Chinatown or history or fashion. Um, I think a lot of projects similar to Humans of New York, we don't often, we might rub shoulders with them on the subway or, you know, pass by them on the street, but it's it seems hard these days perhaps to, to stop and have a conversation with just anyone. So um, we've broken down a lot of the barriers for you, especially in Chinatown. It can be tricky with language and cultural barriers. And um, yeah, we just felt it was, you know, it's really important to tell these stories because they don't often get told. Um, They're so fascinating. Um, I think everyone is super fascinating if you just kind of stop and listen and and have a chance to talk with them. So we've heard that this project has inspired a lot of people just to do that within their own neighborhood and their own communities as well, just to kind of stop and listen and strike up a conversation. And yeah, that's something we always encourage as well. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So how did you make connections across the six Chinatowns um, nationwide? Well, actually, including Canada, so internationally, um, to put this together, this this cross-country, cross-North American collection of stories. So in every Chinatown, there's at least one organization that's doing on-the-ground work to support, celebrate, protect the the people that live in it um, or or utilize it, shop there, hang out there. And so that's what we do. Um, We, in SF, kind of our main organization is the Chinatown Community Development Center. They own and manage, you know, affordable housing. Um, They advocate for tenants' rights and just a variety of support services. And so that's what we usually look for whenever we go to a new town. We're like, what's the what's the community org that, that supports the seniors um, there? And, and then we go from there. What was that, what was that for you in Chicago? Uh, CASL and then the different uh, benevolent or associations. 
that okay. offer, you know, free hot meals or um, classes, things like that. And I think C- CASL, um, you know, offers childcare and senior support. So like from ages zero to like yeah. hundred plus. All right. Well, so you mentioned in the book that that Chicago's Chinatown doesn't fit the description of what's happening in other Chinatowns. Can you tell us how it's different from what you've seen elsewhere? Cities are always evolving, right? And, you know, and, and Chinatowns especially, but their main purpose is to serve as a place for immigrants as a landing pad. And I think over time, you know, there's certain Chinatowns where more people have move up to the, move out to the suburbs, uh, have don't live in the center of town as much. Um, but we found that in Chicago, you know, we were looking at census records and everything and read articles that seemed like it was booming. And we, we saw that visually when we were there, like we saw new shops that had just opened up. We saw places that are open at nighttime. There was a little bit more of like nighttime activity. Um, like in San Francisco Chinatown, we kind of view that more as like a busy grocery shopping district and daytime thing for the seniors. But at night we saw a lot of uh, vibrancy in Chicago Chinatown. Mm-hmm. That's that. excellent. And, and when you asked Chicago's Chinatown residents why they chose you as they're emigrating, choosing where to move, um, why did they tell you they chose Chicago over other famous Chinatowns, such as in San Francisco and New York? What, what did they tell you? So uh, well, the reason why we chose Chicago to feature in our book was because we're like on Wikipedia or some article where it was like, you know, listing the top Chinatowns. It'd be like New York, San Francisco, LA, Toronto. And then like down, you know, like fourth or fifth or sixth, it was like Chicago. And we're like, what, really? <laughs> so when we went to Chicago, you know, we're like, why Chicago? Why here? Why not like the, the big hitters like New York or San Francisco? One guy told us, New York's too dirty, too much garbage. Actually, a lot of people told us that. Uh, another woman said, San Francisco, too cold, too hilly. So Chicago felt for a lot of people like Goldilocks. It was just right. <laughs> Not too cold like San Francisco. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we're glad, glad they chose Chicago. Um, can you each tell us uh, the story of your favorite profile from the Chicago Chinatown? Uh, well, one of my very favorites in the whole book, actually, um, it's titled Windy, she's titled Windy City Wear. It's Mrs. May. Um, you can see she's wearing a very colorful outfit. And she embodies um, the style and the project in a lot of, in, a, in a many ways. Um, first off, we met her just very kind of suddenly and magically where we just turned a corner um, it was raining that day when we met her, so she was taking shelter in a bus stop as she was waiting for the bus. And we really weren't expecting to see anyone in that little doorway. And there she was, just looking so bright and spring-like, even on a gray day. And she has, you know, the chin strap on her bucket hat, just a beautiful mix of patterns and colors, and then this gorgeous smile, of course. And then um, we asked to see her socks, so that's another accessory that we notice a lot of great um style in it's the socks and she lifted her pants and there were these little puppy dogs um (laughs) with a soccer ball on her white socks and it just was this great delight to see that um so she was yeah she was just wonderful to meet and just she really just brightened the day literally by her smile and her outfit Uh oh nice 
I have to say that I love the names that you choose for the stories for each person you, you profiled in the book. And um, yours, Sherling, um, and Elegant Earth Tones, or uh, Boss Lady in Blue, uh, Day Tripper. I love that one. That's a good song. You know, where do you come up with these names? And, you know, by the way, the, I noticed there's even an, an AARP <laughs> um, one of a woman wearing an AARP hat, right? Yeah, tell us, tell us about her. Yeah, we met her in LA Chinatown at a senior day center. So it's a place where, you know, senior citizens can go and socialize, read the paper, eat a hot meal. Um, and we met her actually in a, in a mall, in the, one of the Chinatown malls. And she's like, hmm. come here, like, come meet my friends. Like, there's a spot where there's a lot of us. <laughs> so that was AARP. But um, there's another name I love, which is 10 Gallon Bucket Hat, who's my favorite <laughs> from Chicago, Chinatown. And, you know, we do get rejected 90% of the time. Mm. Um, but even when we do, it's like the serendipitous encounters and the moments that we have with people, whether or not they consent to a photo. Luckily, she did because she was wearing a handmade shirt with secret pockets oh. and um, this like big bucket hat. And she said to us, you know, we're just she said, you know, when I look at you guys, you're so beautiful and good. When I see you're happy, then I'm happy. This is pre-COVID, so we got to like hold hands and just like share a moment and like a joyful encounter. And um, I think that's my favorite part of this project is just hundreds and hundreds of those joyful, serendipitous encounters. Uh, we certainly need a lot more joy, don't we? Yeah. Well, uh, Andrew and Valerie, it, it, we're having such fun uh, talking with you, uh, but we're going to need to take a short break and look forward to continuing our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Creating the Good with ARP Illinois. We'll be right back. As COVID-19 vaccines are becoming available, Americans are eager to learn more but frustrated about where to find answers. That's why AARP is working to protect Americans 50-plus by making sure you have the latest information about the vaccines and the distribution plans in your state. Just visit aarp.org il to learn who's eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine in Illinois, when, where, and how to get it, and what you might want to discuss with your doctor. Again, for more information, visit aarp.org il or to book a vaccine appointment over the phone, call the IDPH vaccine appointment hotline at 833-621-1284. Again, that's 833-621-1284. Today is your day to make a difference. AARP is here in Illinois working hard to make it an even better place to live, work, and play. You can help us too. Get involved as an AARP volunteer. Help advocate for the issues that matter in our state and community, which could improve the quality of life for yourself and the people around you. For more information on ways you can get involved in your local community, visit aarp.org il. Hello everyone, my name is John Spataro, and I'm the producer of Creating the Good with AARP Illinois. We are so excited to be back for Season 2 of Creating the Good here on the Illinois Radio Network and around the world on our podcast, wherever podcasts are found. When we started this show at the height of the pandemic in 2020, we wanted to bring some much-needed hope and inspiration to listeners around Illinois, and we sure have heard some extraordinary stories 
from some extraordinary people. Now we are looking for our next guest to help us create the good again. If you or someone you know has a story worth sharing on an upcoming episode, submit your nomination via email to ilaarp at aarp.org. That's ilaarp at aarp.org. Who inspires you? Who goes the extra mile in your community? Who is spreading joy when you need it most? We want to hear from you, and we want to hear from them. It could be your friend, your family, your coworker or hairdresser, anyone who inspires you. Send your nominations for an upcoming episode of Creating the Good with AARP Illinois to ilaarp at aarp.org. That's ilaarp at aarp.org. Thank you for listening, and thank you for helping us create the good. And we're back. You're listening to Creating the Good with the AARP Illinois. I'm Rosanna Marcus, and I'm here with my co-host, Bob Gallo. We've been speaking with co-authors Andrea Lowe and writer Valerie Liu, who created a fascinating book called Chinatown Pretty, Fashion and Wisdom from Chinatown's Most Stylish Seniors. Andrea and Valerie highlight the fashion sense and street styles of older residents of several Chinatown neighborhoods across the country, including right here in Chicago and also in Canada. The book looks at each person's creative style with some thoughtful tidbits that they call life wisdoms, uh, and it also includes histories of each regional Chinatown. Now, your work received a lot of attention during the Stop Asian Hate Movement, which began earlier this year following instances of hate crimes across the country against Asian American and Pacific Islander people, many of them older adults. Uh, how did it feel to be part of the discussions that took place around this particular issue? Yeah, a couple months ago, um, we started um, getting more visibility to our project, and we found that for a lot of people, it was um, really a counterpoint to a lot of the news that was going on and just a lot of the, the violence and hate that we were seeing. And so we're really you know, glad that we could offer that as in terms of stories, kind of a real look into the lives of these people. Um, you know, they're actual, they're your neighbors. Um, they're not just a statistic. And um, also visually, I think we tend to show a lot of joy, um, not only through the outfits, but also just in the expression and the energy. And so, yeah, it was a real, people were telling us it was, um, a beacon for them in kind of a darker time. And also they would find, um, yeah, they would turn to the book, just flip to a random page when they're feeling down and it would cheer them up a bit. And yeah, hearing, hearing those kinds of stories from the readers and people who follow the project was, was really touching to know that, um, yeah, that we could offer this to them and that, that, the work that we've been doing over the past several years um, meant a lot to them. Yeah. Now, you, you had a very, very touching dedication that I want to mention here. 
Uh, it's this. These seniors taught us not only how to dress with joy and abandon, but also how to live a meaningful life. This book is for them. Um, what are, For each of you, what, what do these words mean to you personally, and, and what do you hope people learn from the work that you're doing? Our project is really about you know, celebrating this demographic. Um, it's one that is not in the media so much. Their stories are often um, go untold. And there's um, so much overlap I found um, with my own family's history, whether it's um, working in a sewing factory when they first immigrated um, and learning, you know, my grandma on my mom's side sewed all of her own clothes. And we see that so much throughout Chinatown is that they learn these skills because working in a sewing factory was really the only job they could get without knowing English. Um, but there's such a resourcefulness there. And so, yeah, seeing a lot of my own family's histories reflected in these stories that we've been hearing around Chinatown um, has personally been um, really wonderful. I think it's felt me, helped me feel way more connected to my roots. Um, and yeah, we hope that other people, you know, through celebrating the seniors, we hope that other people start to um, also just yeah, listen to their elders. Um, there's so much to learn from them, and um, hopefully, they can carry you know carry the sentiment through their own lives as well. I look to the senior citizens um, on how to like live my best life. When I go to Chinatown, I see people socializing in the park. I see them using the playground as like exercise beams and walking faster than I can carrying like 10 pounds or 20 pounds of veg fruits, fresh fruits and veggies um, while I'm eating, you know, pizza for dinner. So I look to them to like how to live healthy and how to do so much despite, you know, maybe your knees not feeling good. Just the resilience and the fierceness that they live with is something I turn to. Valerie, you might want to put some asparagus on that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> But we, we hear that, um, you know, both of you have always made it a point um, to the Chinatowns where you are visiting and, and doing this work, uh, um, including volunteering at food pantries and donating to causes such as Feed and Fuel Chinatown. Um, can you tell, us a, tell us a little bit about that and, and what else you're doing. You're, you're also donating proceeds from the book sales to local Chinatown businesses. Is that right? Um, just recently, we wrapped um, a book fundraiser with Chinatown Community Development Center, the nonprofit in, based in San Francisco that we mentioned earlier. Um, and all proceeds for a couple months um, went to their youth development program. Um, but we, you know, we signed all the books and um, offered like personal inscriptions to the book as a little bonus. So we're so happy to fundraise for them. And, um, you know, throughout since the book has been released um, last September, September 2020, we've been donating um, profits from our bookshop.org sales. So they're um, an online retailer um, where through an affiliate link, the authors can collect um, a small percentage of the sales, but we've been donating that to the nonprofits that we worked with in each of the six cities that we visited. So that's been a really great way to give back. And yeah, we love um, giving talks to schools as well. I think that's been a real highlight of doing the book talks and yeah. um, just sharing the stories and the project with the youth. It's been, it's been really great. 
So that's um, that's I like the part about doing book talks in the schools. Do the do the um, children or students in the schools talk about their own grandparents? Yeah, we always try to ask them about their grandparents or things that their grandparents wear. Um, you know, we, our book came out during the pandemic, so all our book talks were online. Mm -hmm. And at first I was a little disappointed, but it actually ended up working out. We were able to be in so many more places, kind of like how we are today. And one of my favorite book talks was just seeing a grid of like third graders, like little kids on their headphones and like being on these computers. I was like, how do you even know how to type? You know, it speaks to like the children's and the teacher's res resilience through this time. Um, but that was definitely a highlight was just connecting with students. Yeah, I bet it was. So how, how can our listeners, those listening to this great story, um, support your efforts? Well, you can find us um, online in a couple different places. Um, there's our website, chinatownpretty.com. And we share um, different stories and kind of news on our Instagram as well, Chinatown Pretty. Um, but yeah, I encourage checking out the book, whether it's at your local library or at your local bookstore. Um, we always encourage shopping at independent booksellers if possible. And yeah, if you do want to help give back to the communities, um, you can also purchase it through bookshop.org. Ah, okay. So what's next? Um, is there a second version of the book coming out um, in, the, in the works or do you have something else in mind? I think, you know, this project's seven years in the making and mm -hmm. it's only been out for one year. So I, I personally, I want to continue enjoying sharing it, sharing it in book form and hopefully now in person, now that we're in this new era of the pandemic. And a few weeks ago, we got to do that at a senior home. And instead of saying, you know, senior citizens live active lives in Chinatown, we got to say, you live really awesome, active lives in Chinatown. You are the people that we're inspired by. And so I hope for more of that, of just interactions with the people in the book. Time sure flies when you're having a great conversation. And this has not only been a fantastic talk, but a, a really, really inspiring one. Um, but it's time for us to go. So Andrea and Valerie, it has been a great pleasure speaking with both of you. Um, thank you so much for being on the show and, and sharing with us all that you do to um, inspire others and help create the good. Thank you so much. Okay. Great conversation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, really. Thank you both. Um, those were co-authors Andrea Lowe and Valerie Liu. They created the wonderful book, Chinatown Pretty, Fashion and Wisdom from Chinatown's Most Stylish Seniors. Thank you both again for being here. Uh, that was wonderful indeed. And thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another edition of our second season of Creating the Good with AARP Illinois, where we talk with those who are making a difference in their community. So stay tuned to our next episode. We look forward to being with you again very soon. For more information on ways you too can get involved with your local community, visit createthegood.org or to learn more, visit aarp.org forward slash IL. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station or network. We hope you'll tune in again for the next edition of Creating the Good with AARP Illinois.